we had an interesting experience as a family. Um, the girls got this uh, caterpillar, and they put it in this box, and we kept it going, you know, got, kept putting leaves in there and watched it just kind of munch on the leaves. And one day we noticed it was going crazy on the leaf, and, uh, and it ate and ate and ate and ate and ate. And as it was eating so much, I mean, we noticed it's just devouring this leaf. You're never going to believe what happened, but the next morning, that caterpillar was actually a butterfly. And so its appetite suddenly increased in that moment of transformation that was taking place. And I just want to commission you to a greater appetite, men and women of God. God's calling us to a great place of transformation where we'll become more of what he's called us to be, more of what he's anointed us to be, more of what he desires us to be. How many believe God wants us to be more than what we are today? Can I just see, how many of you are ready to go somewhere further in your relationship with Christ than perhaps where we have been? So I want to ask you, would you mind just, let's open our hearts, maybe just posture your hands in this place of surrender. And let's invite the Holy Spirit to illuminate his word in, on this Pentecost Sunday, uh, particularly. Lord, we invite you today to help us to understand your word with greater clarity, that we would work through a couple of ideas and be not just inspired by them, but empowered to be men and women of your word, that your word would prevail in our lives and that Jesus would be glorified in Jesus' mighty name Amen. I want you to join me and let's hiss the enemy away by the clapping of our hands in declaration. We just received God's word today. Come on, let's celebrate his word, the treasure of scripture. What a tremendous blessing it is to have access to God's word. When we memorize the Word of God, then we memorize the mind of God, and the mind of God will transform everything about who we are, the way we live, the way we serve, the way we love, the way we give. So your first blank, I want to give you a hashtag and ask you and invite you on this journey, but being in the Word and, and experiencing the Spirit in the Word is like watering and providing a light to a plant that's trying to grow within us. So we want to encourage everybody, get in that place, you know, in the morning, brew your coffee, get your candle going, and open up that Bible, and just take some time, and take a picture of your Bible, take a picture of your coffee there, your candle, whatever you've got going, kind of present your atmosphere, post those pictures, and hashtag pray attention on whatever your social media is, uh, and we'll be able to find those and, and encourage and be encouraged along those lines. I've had a few encouragements come already, uh, a few pictures that we've got, if you'll put them up, um, they they got the foo instead of do. I think that's the original Hebrew. But you get the idea. Thanks for encouraging us to do this. I got one family. They hadn't uh, been really in the Word like they needed to. And, and that was an encouragement. There's somebody that was, was writing in theirs. And then a parent with a son. That was great. A little father-son time sitting down and just getting in the Word. How many of you think our families will be very enriched if we will get more deeper, get deeper into the Word, right? That's, that's a great thing for us to do as Christians. And it will really illuminate in our own thinking uh, really more purposefully what God desires to accomplish. So what we're doing is motivating and inspiring and empowering everybody to understand this journey through the Word. I'm trying to give everybody the context of Scripture. And the Bible says in John chapter 5, verse 39, these 
these scriptures testify about me. Jesus said, the Bible talks about me. The, the Bible shares me. Jesus talks, I mean, it's an amazing thing. What he's talking to these, these uh, Pharisees, they're, they're not New Testament people because this is like when Jesus is coming on the scene. So they, they have the Old Testament scripture to reference. And Jesus said, the Old Testament that you've been looking at testify of me. In other words, Jesus is somewhere in Genesis. Jesus is somewhere in Exodus. And so what we're doing is showing Jesus in every book as we're on this journey together. We've just gotten started last week was Jesus in Genesis, and this week we're journeying on Jesus in Exodus. And it really is overload. But, but ultimately, uh, God's going to give us the wisdom to understand. And, and I just encourage you, stay the course with it and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you in your spirit. Sometimes, you know, it's not just what you understand with your mind, but it's an awakening that happens in our lives. And man, do we need an awakening in our nation. Would you agree? We also just need some people that will rise up like Elijah and pray earnestly that it will not rain, and it did not rain in Jesus' name. How many of you know James 5 uh, gives us a clear depiction? I believe that we as Christians can actually influence the weather. I believe our prayers can influence the weather. I believe our prayers uh, have more power and significance than what we realize. Uh, I lead Tuesday morning prayer at 6 a.m. here, and the Lord's dealing with me right now about the effectual fervent prayer. I'm going to be focusing on that uh, this week. But, but you know, this Sunday, this weekend is about Pentecost Sunday. And as we start to look at Scripture, we need God to illuminate this to us. But the reality is Pentecost is when, uh, after Jesus was risen from the grave, 50 days later, the New Testament church was born. The power of the Holy Spirit was released in the earth. And the, if you think about it, because we're going to talk about Moses today, Moses was a mighty man of God. Would you agree? One of the greatest, most powerful influencers for God's kingdom that ever lived. And Elijah was a mighty man of God. And King David was a mighty man of God. And Elisha was a mighty man of God. And when you think of all these, Deborah was a mighty woman of God. You think of these world-changing influencers. And ultimately in the Old Testament, now track me on this, because in the Old Testament there was basically one person per generation that really experienced God's anointing by His Spirit. And that one person stood up and moved the masses on behalf of God's kingdom. And those guys in the days of old, the men and women in the days of old, longed for the day when the Joshuas and the Elijahs and the Moses and the Deborahs and the mighty men and women of God, like everybody had the power of God. A whole generation of people had the power of God. That's the New Testament era. That's where you and I live. Do we have a concept or a clue what God desires to do in the generation in which we live? If we would all rise up and be the men and women God's called us to be, we would change the world. The problem in the world is not the abundance of darkness. The problem in the world is the absence of light. When Jonah got his head screwed on straight about the call of God in his life, the capital city of paganism, Nineveh, turned in one day. The problem was not how bad the city was. The problem was how distracted the man of God was. The problem is not how bad the nation is. The problem is how distracted the church is. Can I get somebody in here to give me a witness today that we're going to be the church God's called us to be? 
So let's do this thing together as we sort it out and walk it out. We're coming out of Genesis. We're moving into Exodus. We, we read these stories many times like individual stories, and we pluck them out. And we give little advice-giving sermons. But this is like an overall picture that God's painting, and, and all those stories go together, and everyone has a very important contributing purpose to what God's trying to do in the earth. So Genesis last week, we saw where the Israelites landed in Egypt. That's how they got there, okay? Okay, Joseph was raised up because of the sin of his brothers, positioned in a place of rulership, and then he accommodated all of the Israelites and drew them in, and, and his brothers and everybody began to multiply there under the care of his rulership and endorsement of the Pharaoh. But that all changed as we move into the books, book of Exodus. Chapter 1, we start with verse 6, where Joseph dies. So Joseph died, but the Israelites were fruitful and they multiplied greatly. And they became exceedingly numerous, so that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, who did not know about Joseph, came to power in Egypt. So, verse 11, they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They lost the favor because uh, Joseph had died. Verse 12, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. Would you read that verse 12 with me? Let's say it out loud. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. Now let's, let's say it kind of from memory. As the screen goes down there, you say it. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. And we're saying that second person. I want you to now say it first person. The more I am oppressed, the more I multiply and spread. Let's say it. The more I am oppressed, the more I multiply and spread. What, what I'm trying to get through to you, and I just felt like I was, as I was looking at this, this was a moment that the Holy Spirit began to illuminate for me that I needed to address something in this room with everybody here. You need to understand something God put inside you. There's a mechanism in you. It's a risen king mechanism. It's a God of the universe mechanism. It's when things go, don't go your way, when disappointing circumstances hit you, when frustration or whatever the situation may be, something's gone completely against you. There's a mechanism in you that awakens. And the more you are stressed and pressed and disappointed, the more anointed you are, the more power God begins to release in that situation. The Bible says that the, the greater the sin, the greater the grace. Wherever darkness is, there's going to be more light. Wherever discouragement comes, there's going to be more encouragement. This is who you are. When circumstances don't go your way, how many of you ever had some stuff not go your way? How many of you had some things happen to you that, that you didn't deserve, and, and it just came your way? It was bad stuff happened to you, right? We've had, how many of you just made dumb decisions, and you brought it on yourself? How many of you did that? So we understand we're all knuckleheads in the kingdom of God. Aren't you glad God uses knuckleheads? I'm the greatest knucklehead of them all. And I'm so thankful that in the midst of whatever it is we're facing, no matter how discouraged, no matter how disappointed, no matter how seemingly depressed we feel, God's power is always greater than the grave. God's power is always greater than whatever the situation is, no matter how dead it may look. And I want us just to agree today. I felt the Holy Spirit asking me in this moment as we're looking into Exodus that I was to pause and just ask you, and we're going to agree over you specifically. But if you're facing circumstances and this is resonating with you, you're realizing, man, there's some stuff that's really pressure and, and disappointment and, I mean, difficulty, whatever it is, we want to agree with you. Just slip up your hand, and we're going to agree today that there begins to be a power and anointing that comes upon you. Just hold your hand up there if that's you so we can just see. If you wouldn't mind, we want 
we want to we join with you. Hands all across here. In fact, we just want to join together as a family. Would you, those of you raising your hand, just pop up right where you are if you don't mind. We're going to have people just kind of come and lay hands on you and be in agreement. So if you, you raise your hand, you're saying, we just want some prayer of agreement right now. That's what we're going to do. Come on, when the church prays, something happens. We believe prayer unlocks God's kingdom in the earth. Okay, so I want you to go and just lay hands on those that are standing. Now, help me. Let's all get to everybody with uh, somebody standing with them, agreeing. And I just declare there's grace where grace needs to be. Right over here to the far left. If I could get a couple of people to go that direction as well. Far left, young man in the very back. Thank you, Chrissy. Come on, let's pray, church. Father, we disagree. Grace in the midst of every circumstance, every situation. Healing, Lord, where there needs to be healing. Provision, where there needs to be provision. Grace, where there needs to be grace. Mercy, where there needs to be mercy. Power, where there needs to be power. Anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage. In Jesus' mighty name. We set our faith in agreement, Lord, with these who have raised their hand, who stood to their feet. And we declare the more they're oppressed, the more they multiply and, sp and spread. The more that comes against them, the greater the power that is at work within them. There is no no force coming against you that can compare to the power of God at work within you. And so we declare that now as we command life, as we command restoration, as we command redemption, as we command the kingdom of God to break out. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Come on, let's agree and declare the resurrection power of Jesus. Let's celebrate and declare God's supernatural power released in the circumstances that we face. We are on assignment from God. And this is what I want to encourage you with. So there are these struggles that we walk through, and we all can identify and relate to struggles. But if you're struggling, it's a sure sign you've not yet been defeated. If you're struggling, it's a sure sign that you've not yet been defeated. You've not given up. You're still struggling forward. You're still in the fight if you're struggling. So don't grow discouraged by the struggle Thank God that you've not given up and you're continuing to move forward and God is going to give you the grace and the strength that you need. Now the Israelites are in this struggle, they're in this place, in this difficulty, and God's grace is upon them and God's going to bring them out of the bondage of Egypt. Now how's he going to do that? What's the guy's name who's going to help bring them out? Moses. Everybody say Moses. Okay, that's who we're talking about. And uh, Jesus said the scriptures speak of Jesus. So what do you think Moses speaks of when we look at him in scripture? He speaks of Jesus. Moses is the deliverer of the people that were in the bondage of Egypt. Jesus is the deliverer of people that are in the bondage of Egypt. And Egypt just speaks of the world system. How do you remember what it was like to live in the world system, right? It's not good to be living in the world system. The world system will, will wear you out, will use you up, and leave you out to dry with no fulfillment in your life. Ultimately, in the world system, when you get what you want, you no longer want what you have because nothing's ever good enough. But the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so there's something fulfilling when we begin to understand the purposes of God. And Jesus came to draw us out of the bondage ways of the, of the world, of Egypt. And Moses is that, that deliverer in the Old Testament. He speaks of Christ. There's some amazing ways that Moses typifies Christ. We've talked about types and shadows. And I just want to point out a few of those. There are actually 40 very specific ways. I'm going to give you 10, just to kind of bring this down a little bit tonight or today. Both were born at a time, Moses and Jesus were both born at a time when Israel was under foreign domination. 
Moses was born when Israel was under Egypt domination, and Jesus was born when Israel was under Roman domination. Both had rulers that tried to kill them shortly after their births, issuing a decree to kill boys, baby boys born. Both spent time in the wilderness before answering God's call. Both dealt with people who hardened their hearts. Both were shepherds. Both fasted for 40 days. Moses and Jesus both did miracles. They fed hungry people in the wilderness. They were prophets, priests, and kings. And interestingly enough, both of their bodies went missing after they died. And so we see some interesting parallels in this, and what's happening is God's painting this picture and revealing Christ in a unique and special way so that when we're reading this, we're actually recognizing and understanding God's got a plan. And even though we saw in Genesis where humanity fell and Adam and Eve sinned and suddenly we got in a horrible situation, God immediately begins working on redeeming humanity and mankind. He's trying to get our thinking right so that we can participate in what he's desiring to accomplish. In the book of Exodus, we see the Passover, right? We're, in, we're aware of these types of stories. And so we've got the Passover situation where the angel of death comes through and those that had put the blood of the lamb that they had slain on the doorpost. Interestingly enough, they put blood at the top and on the sides, and the Bible says that they're to use hyssop to smack that on there, and, uh, and they actually tried to give Jesus sour wine, which was to lessen the pain of those being crucified, um, and they used hyssop. If you look in Scripture in John 19, I think it'll, it'll show that. So there are these parallels that we see in all of this, but the, the angel of death comes through, and, and that that blood on the top of the, the door frame would have dripped to the, the ground, and then the blood on the sides. And obviously, we're seeing the shape of a cross as they pass through the door. And the Bible says that there were none sick among them. That's a miracle in and of itself, because these were slaves. They were sickly. They were neglected. They were not cared for. They were not nourished. And there was none sick among them. And I believe when they got up that next morning and they passed through that door, they were literally walking through the doorway of declaration of Christ. And it was a redeeming, healing, restoring, replenishing, nourishing, powerful, supernatural release in their physical bodies. And the Bible actually says their shoes didn't even wear out for 40 years. How many of you have just agreed for that anointing over your car right now? <laughs> Amen. Let the cars not wear out for 40 years. So uh, interesting, just all this stuff going on and these things taking place, and we're going to look at that Passover lamb a little more, but, but before we do, just let me point out, in Genesis, there's like a revelation where God begins trying to redeem fallen humanity, and in Exodus, something interesting happens, because listen, God didn't just bring them out to have them out. He brought them out to take them in. He was taking them somewhere. And I believe largely our theology in the Western world, particularly, is this total focus on like trying to get people to pray a prayer of salvation. And like we're just trying to bring them out to bring them out. But God wants to do more than bring us out. He wants to take us in to a place of promise. He wants to take us in and sustain us where we're not just trying to stay out. Because you understand, you come out, and if all you're doing is having come out, then you're just focusing on, I just don't want to go back. I just don't want to go back. I just don't want to go back. But if you'll just move on to the greater things that God has before you, let me just tell you, God has some great things in store for you. 
Amazing things that he wants to release in your life that will bring other people out of places of bondage. That's what Exodus is all about, coming out and being established. And God does this in this particular book. You see where the Ten Commandments are given. This is where he establishes us in his word so that we can become more like Christ. This is where the commission to build the tabernacle is given. And and that's our gathering to worship, which establishes our lives and helps us to become more like Christ. And interestingly enough, the tabernacle that would be a symbol that you can read the, the, you know, the book of Exodus, give you the details of this. It took nine months to put this together in the wilderness. Every time they moved, it took how long? Nine months. And the tabernacle was what was the, carry, the, the, the carrier of God's presence. And in the New Testament, you and I have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. We carry God's presence. And you took how long to be built in the womb? Nine months. And so this parallel, Jesus was nine months in preparation just like the tabernacle was, and now you and I carry that. And interestingly enough, when that tabernacle or when the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, was brought into a certain city or a certain region, anywhere it traveled, the blessing of God came abundantly upon that region. Isn't that wonderful? Because what that means is you and I are now that in the world. I, I just believe that, the, that your family is blessed. If you're a, like the only you know, believing spouse in the family, then you're whole family is blessed because you're there. It, wherever you work, your, your business is blessed because you're there. Wherever your block is, whatever your city is, your, your block, that community is blessed because you're there, because you carry the presence of God. That's who we are. I was out walking in my neighborhood one day just praying, and I was just praying and praying and just walking along, and, and this guy that I knew it was when we lived in another neighborhood, he was a pastor as well, uh, and it was, I don't know, maybe a different approach to God, I don't know what the deal was, but, but it just totally freaked him out that I'm walking and praying. He said, what are you doing? And I said, man, I'm just walking. There. And I was thinking, you know, this is hermano, hermano, right? Pastor to pastor. And so I just engaged. I said, man, I'm just out praying and believing God for his spirit to come upon our lives and draw all of us into a relationship with Christ. And he just kind of looked at me like crazy, you know, like crazy. <laughs> he just uh, looked at me and he just said, all right then. <laughs> And I'm just thinking, come on, guys. Where are the men and women of God? Where are the Elijahs that rise up in the power of God? Where are the Moses that are calling those that are in bondage out into a place of great freedom? Where is the David that's celebrating the presence of God and slaying the Goliath and declaring enough is enough. You can't have our children. We take them back in the name of Jesus. We rise up and the gates of hell will not prevail against the anointed church. That's us. And in the book of Exodus, Jesus is the manna that came down from heaven. He himself will later reveal this. Jesus is the rock that gave water. And Jesus is the ark of the covenant. The Bible says in Exodus 25, 10 to 11, it explains how to make the chest of wood and two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide and a cubit and a half high. And then it says something very interesting in Exodus 25, 11. Overlay it with pure gold inside and out. It says, make this out of a chest of wood and overlay it with pure gold inside and out. That means that the Ark of the Covenant that sat in the most holy place as the ultimate expression of the heart and the presence of God was literally three layers of substance. What was it? Inside gold, middle wood, outside gold. 
and it literally typifies the Trinity and again speaks of Jesus because Jesus came, was born of earthly origin as God, and that's the wood element that we see. And the inside of the box, gold, is the inward expression of the Holy Spirit, the, and, and the overlaying is the covering of the Father, and you have these three layers that speak of the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father. Everything we see is all this revelation for us to have a greater understanding of who Jesus is so that we might have a greater understanding of who he's called us to be. Now, this is kind of an amazing journey, and, and this is where we get a little bit um, college level. On a, a, some, I want you to really track with me on this. I want you to think intellectually. I want you to think and process a little bit of information that I'm going to give you. Because this next portion of Scripture, Exodus 12, 21, Moses summoned all the elders of Israel, and he said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. He said, that Right now I commission you to go. And, and all of this that took place, and as they came out in Exodus, you realize they, that it, it initiated this perpetual celebration of the Passover feast every single year. And this is what was to take place as was the commission here, five days prior to the Passover, the family was to go and select and present the lamb that would be the sacrificial lamb for the Passover feast, five days prior. The reason that's important is because there was something interesting that happened, because this is actually you know, five days prior to the Passover feast. What, what was Jesus' last meal? You, you, we all do understand what we're talking about here, right? Jesus' last meal wasn't just a haphazard meal. He, he was having the Passover meal. So that was his, the last supper is the Passover meal that he had. And so if, if, the, if the tradition was that five days prior to this, you select and present your lamb, then it really makes sense. And, and when you look at this in Scripture, five days prior to the last supper, God was selecting and presenting his lamb. Because five days prior to the Last Supper, to the Passover feast where Jesus is announcing, I am the new covenant, five days prior was April the 6th, 32 AD, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and they were shouting, Hosanna, and it was Palm Sunday where literally God was presenting the ultimate sacrificial lamb. And that's an important time that the Messiah emerged because there was this prophecy that was given years ago, generations before that, and it said there's going to be this command that's going to come to rebuild the temple. And when this command is given, mark your calendar because it's going to be set this prophetic alarm clock in motion. So if we could only find, how many of you would love it if we could find that command in history and then look at the alarm clock and see what actually unfolded because what it says is when the command to rebuild the temple is given then I'll translate all of it for you 173,880 days later the Messiah is going to be revealed well we can go into history and see when King Cyrus gave this command to rebuild the temple and if you just track that out 173,880 days you're not going to believe it but you land on April the 6th 32 AD when the Messiah is being revealed as the sacrificial lamb of the world how many of you know the Bible is full of amazing treasure of revelation and you and I are going to spend all of eternity going oh my goodness are you kidding that's amazing that was in there I mean, God rocks. 
There's no way that anybody could predict 173,880 days later after the command was given, the Messiah would be revealed. And this very important day results unless the Spirit of God is in the midst of it all. And I believe that you and I need to emerge into a place where we're really allowing the Holy Spirit to do what He desires to do in our lives on an everyday basis. You should be prophesying to your sons and daughters. Your sons and daughters ought to know mom and dad are led by the Spirit. I know a guy that was uh, sitting in his living room and his daughter was 16 years old. Great story for me to tell as my children are getting near 16 years old. And he's sitting there and his daughter told him she was going to be one place. And the Holy Spirit told him she was at another how many of you believe God wants to mess us up? <laughs> he wants to help us along, right? He wants to just change something. I mean, God cares about the situation. And so he's sitting there, and, and, and he tells his wife, you know, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's prompting me that our daughter's not doing what she's telling us she's doing. Because she told us she was going to be here, but I felt like the Lord was saying she's going to be there. And the, and the wife said, she better not be there. And so he said, well, I'm just going to get in the car and go down there. And he drove down, and he pulled in, and there's his daughter right where God told him she was. And how many of you know she was astonished? Daddy was there, got her in the car, took her home, and they talked about how much God cares about us. Listen, I, I just think that we'll make better husbands, better fathers, better wives, better mothers, better sons, better daughters, better aunts, better uncles, better grandparents, better grandchildren, We'll make better everything if we will learn to be more of who God's called us to be. You and I are not just living up. Paul says, you're not, stop acting like mere men, 1 Corinthians 1. You are not mere men and women. You're not mere men and women that are just kind of living here applying some religious principles. And I'm fighting this right now because in our culture, we've just added a little bit of Jesus because we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. We've added a little bit of Jesus to our lives because we want our life to be better. Let me just say, Jesus died so that we could have life, and you and I should be sacrificially laying our lives down every single day saying, God, what do you desire from me? How can the kingdom of God expand? People are dying and going to hell, and we need to draw them out and show them the way. So we read on and we find where this whole scenario is taking place. And now Jesus at the Last Supper, the Passover meal, he's revealing that this is really about his body and it's about his blood and the new covenant that was to be expressed, which had been prophesied and foretold by Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah. So here he is fulfilling this. And he's fulfilling the, this idea of what had been taking place for generations as they were celebrating the Passover, or God drawing people out of Exodus. Exodus 12, 3 and 4, this is where Moses gives the instruction. He says, tell the whole community of Israel. Okay, this is about the sacrificial lambs, expression of Christ. Tell everybody. Tell the whole community, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Each man is to take a lamb for his family, and then it goes on, it says, you're to determine the amount of the lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. So each man will take the lamb to the house, and each person must eat. 
I just want to make the point, because everybody in this room needs to hear me say this. It was not Pastor Moses' responsibility to take the lamb to the house. It was the spiritual leader of the household responsibility to, to take the lamb to the house. So if you're married, have children uh, or not, but if you're married and you're a man, raise your hand. Can I just see the married men in the house? Okay, if you are single, man or woman, raise your hand. You might have kids, you might not. Single. Okay, what I just identified in this room would be officially the spiritual covering of the house. This is an important concept for us to understand because it is our responsibility to take Jesus to our house. Now, I want to bring Jesus to you. I want to bring his word to you. I want you to have a great experience in worship. I want to have great kids ministry. Man, our team over there is doing a great job with the kids. I want to have great youth ministry, great college elevate ministry. I want to see all those ministries awesome. But let me just say, everybody in this room needs to make this declaration in agreement. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to know Jesus in the doors and confines of my house. My church, now my church family, that's going to help strengthen me in that. But as for me and my house, I'm going to take responsibility to lead my family to know who Jesus is in the valleys and in the hills, on the mountaintops when things are good and on the downside when things are tough. We're going to know who Jesus is. As for me and my house, we're going to know the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Each person was responsible for bringing Jesus to the house. And then each person had to eat. Just because your mom and dad love Jesus doesn't mean you do. Just because your mom and dad know Jesus doesn't mean you do. Each person has to make the choice. Here's the thing. Jesus not only died to bring us out, but he rose from the grave to take us in. We really need his power, not just so we can like experience his power, but so his kingdom can be established in the earth. We need his kingdom to effectively be established in the earth. It's our assignment. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to, to the ends of the earth. And on this day, 50 days after our Easter celebration, as an expression of Pentecost Sunday, in memory and commemoration of the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus rose from the grave, may every one of us, step into a deeper, more meaningful exchange and experience with God on a daily, ongoing basis. And I just felt, as I was praying, the Lord just said to me that there were three things that we need to kind of land on and conclude today. And it's pretty simple. But the first is I believe there's some people whose thinking are still in Egypt. We're still in Egypt. And we need to move beyond that way of thinking. We need to come out of that way of thinking. Listen, it doesn't... It, it, we're, we're going to see this in, in the next progression here, but it, it's really not healthy for us to add a little Jesus to our lives and still be thinking Egypt. And so I, I believe there's some people that in, in this room today just need to come to that realization, that revelation, 
I'm thinking wrong. I'm in Egyptian thinking. Maybe you're here and you haven't come to know Christ and you need to make that decision. But that's an important thing. And I, I want to just point out something else. As the Israelites came out of Egypt, the first thing they did is they passed through water. And then they went on to greater places of promise. Jesus passed through water. And the Bible says the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And I, it's pretty important that we get this and we understand the importance of passing through water. When the Israelites went through water, everything that had held them captive, how many of you in this room have been baptized in water? Can I just see you've been baptized in water? And I know that means a lot of different things to different people. I had a couple after a church come up to me, first service, and they said, man, we want our whole family to be baptized. We have a a two-month-old and a two-year-old and then us. And, and so I had to explain, you know, baptism. The word baptism literally means dunk, okay? And I know that there are places that sprinkle babies, but, um, but we try and stay more aligned with what the, the idea of this is. And, and, and it's a decision that you make, not, some, not a decision someone makes for you. But here's the thing. These Israelites had been in captivity all these generations. And there was some stuff that had, I mean, all... You got these Egyptian, uh, this army chasing after them. And they went through the water, and that army ran into the water, and the water closed over that army. It destroyed everything that had held them captive and held their parents captive and held their grandparents captive and so on. Do you see the significance in this? Water, baptism is not a requirement for salvation, but I do believe it's a deliverance mechanism that we need to fasten our faith to. Because I'm just going to tell you right now, there's some patterns from your parents that are going to try and show up in your life that probably need to be broken. God forbid it, but I know it's going to be an issue. My daughter's sitting right here, both my girls sitting on this front row. As hard as Tracy and I are, are working to try and give them everything they need in their relationship with Christ, how many know they're still going to get some dysfunction? Those of you who know me, well, you know they're going to get a lot of dysfunction. <laughs> I'm trying, no. I mean, I'm doing the best I can, but there's still some stuff they're going to have to address. How many of you believe there's some stuff in your life that needs to be addressed? Some dysfunction, some generational curse dysfunction. I mean, we need to understand this, and that's exactly what happened. When the Israelites came out, they went through the water, and that water closed over everything that had held all their, their grandparents captive, and it destroyed it. And I believe when we mix our faith and we pass through baptismal waters, we rise up and declare, that which has held my parents captive and grandparents captive and tried to latch itself to me will never make it past me to my children. We serve notice on it today in Jesus' name. You can break those things. And so maybe you've never been baptized in water with that understanding, or you've never been baptized in water in that capacity. Then I encourage you to, you know, the, there's no place in the Bible that says you can't be double dunked. And in about six weeks, we'll do our June, last Sunday of June celebration. We'll have fireworks going at night. It's our 4th of July thing we do here. And we're going to do water baptism that day. And I encourage you, if you feel the Lord directing you to do this, let's serve notice together in agreement. And let's break some things. Because I just believe God really wants to liberate us in a whole other realm of life. So we've been thinking in the wrong disposition. We need to be baptized in water. And then finally, that we really move forward purposefully into a greater place of promise. Some have just been kind of going around the same mountain. But I just say God wants to take us deeper. He wants to take us further. So Lord, we agree right now in Jesus' name that 
It's been a whole lot of talk, a lot of conversation, a lot of training, teaching, discussion, preaching, whatever anybody wants to call it. But I pray, Lord, it just be more than mere words, but there be impartation from heaven into our hearts that would help us understand the book of Exodus is there to remind us that you not only take us out, but that you fill us with your word, your Ten Commandments. You, you instruct us in deeper places of worship of the tabernacle, and you establish us as your people so that we can move forward to the greater promises that you have before, taking more people with us as a result. I pray, God, that we would be attentive to your plans and we would know that you did not die. Jesus did not die so that we could go to church. But you died so we would be the church. Help us to be the people you've called us to be in Jesus' mighty name. Just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here and you say, man, I am in Egypt and I need out. Whether you're, it's just your thinking in Egypt or you've not come to know Christ before, either way, you know you, that's where you are and you need out. You need to be free. And I want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray with you today. Just quickly. Thank you. You can put your hand on anybody else. Just quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's break free all together. Let's, let's pray this prayer. Everybody pray this out loud with me, if you would, please. Say, Lord Jesus, let's all say this together. Lord Jesus, you're the giver of life. You're the savior of the world. You came, you lived, you died, but you're risen from the grave. You're who you say you are. You're the son of God. And I need you as my savior. Lead me in your ways as Lord of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. We just give King Jesus honor.